Welcome to the Building Forth podcast, where we will explore the perennial philosophy from various lenses, including the psychological, theological, spiritual, conventional, and esoteric. Today, I am going to be giving all of us here a, an introduction to the Building Forth podcast and a little bit about our philosophy and kind of what we're hoping to get through in this podcast as a way to serve. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy it. Whenever I start a new podcast, listening to a new podcast, that is, I always feel like I need and enjoy understanding what the podcast is about um, and the person given a podcast then what is their background so in the spirit of that I hope to be able to give a little bit of my own background here and and if it matches or resonates with you then I'm truly happy and honored I grew up in Keller Texas which is outside of Dallas and Fort Worth and from the earliest age that I can remember, I was always attracted to the mystical life. I remember in first grade, I had a UFO experience, actually. I was out in the country in uh, Oklahoma. We were on a family reunion, and I felt this need or desire to go outside. It was very dark outside, and the stars were high above and bright and everybody else was inside and there I saw um, about the size of a full moon straight above me was a huge sphere in the sky uh, and the sphere was purple and white um, it was hard to explain but felt a deep connection with this sphere and uh, around that time in my life in first grade I had also been very interested in aliens and um, my parents often made fun of me and so did everybody else and I would have too if I were them <laughs> I remember feeling like I wasn't from this planet that I was an alien visiting um, and I think a lot of people have that, that feeling. But anyways, <clears throat> in second grade, I, I had my first spiritual, mystical uh, vision and uh, grew up actually Catholic and uh, still remain Catholic. Although the way I understand Catholicism and um, the doctrines and dogmas, are, it's very different now. Uh, and then from, from, I guess, the standpoint of conventional Catholicism, um, I wouldn't be accepted. But that, from my perspective, is okay, uh, because um, I don't need to be. And uh, But I'll get to that in a second. So anyways, in second grade, I was able to see in my mind's eye um, Jesus and Mary, and I had a very strong affinity towards Mary. Uh, this embodied divine feminine 
And I remember also in second grade uh, feeling really down. I think that might have been the first time that I felt a sense of deep, deep mission as well as depression. And I, I specifically remember um, telling God and all my angels, I felt this depth, in-depth sense of having angels around me that I couldn't do this mission. I remember saying those words and praying those words that I needed help, but I, I couldn't do this, that it was too hard. And I, I really couldn't articulate why it was so hard um, at that time. I just felt like uh, it was overwhelming, overwhelmingly um, thick here. Perhaps that's how I best could understand it. Um, I grew up in fairly rural, suburban area. It was sort of a mixture of those two in Keller. Um, was drawn to baseball. I was the star pitcher in high school. But uh, oftentimes in the evenings, I would be reading things almost like a guilty pleasure. I would be reading things like ESP and aliens and the lives of saints, the mystical experiences they had, um, things like reincarnation, near-death experiences. These are all things that I was really drawn to and attracted to and I couldn't really explain and I had nobody to talk these things over with. Um, and when I tried once or twice, it would be met with, uh, and I don't blame anybody, but <laughs> it would be met with, boy, that's, you're weird. So I usually kept those things to myself and then in the outer world just excelled in sports, uh, particularly baseball. Um, went to college, majored in Spanish and in psychology, uh, and then I spent two years in Nicaragua with the Franciscans. I was drawn to the Franciscan way of life. It's a religious order in the Catholic Church that follows the charism of St. Francis of Assisi. And I was particularly drawn to the depth of um, love where Francis was able to see that um, love is the greatest expression of God's presence here. And also love is the the end to which we should focus all our energies. And that is different from some of the other religious orders. For example, the Dominicans is another religious order in the Catholic Church, and their focus was on the search of truth. And uh, the Franciscan school of theology then began to really focus in on the search for how love is the truth. Um, and that there was this univocity of being, this that all of creation sings with one voice. That's what the univocity means. Sings with one voice to express God's own presence, both in and as creation. Now, I wouldn't be able to articulate that at that particular time. This would have been back in 1998, so over two decades ago, but this was uh, what drew me 
and it was also this act of service. Franciscanism is specifically focused on serving other people and helping them to whatever degree um, encounter their highest expression and understanding of love. So um, after graduate or after coming back from Nicaragua, which completely changed my life, uh, both politically, religiously, theologically, <laughs> uh, I, my own identity, uh, I came back and worked at a nonprofit in Worcester, Massachusetts for about a year and a half. And then I decided to go to graduate school at Boston College, which is a Jesuit um, university in Boston. And I met my uh, girl, well, I met my future wife there. Um, she was studying medical school in Boston as well. And so we met and um, got married in 2003. And now we have three wonderful children. And we live in Carrollton, Texas. Um, I've been a therapist, a mental health counselor. My license is a clinical social worker, and I've been a therapist now since 2001. And I also have a master's in pastoral ministry with a focus on uh, pastoral counseling and theology. Because my deep interest has always been this nexus between spirituality, mystical spirituality, in psychology and how the two are in some ways the same but also how they can affirm each other and express and explore each other because they are indeed um, in some ways distinct as well so uh, sameness doesn't mean uniformity uh, it, it, sameness for me or union can be diversity uh, that affirms each other Two or two or more diverse things that can affirm and draw out the other. So that's uh, my basic background. And then in 2013, I had a, a very mystical experience. And it drew me into, um, I guess, the next chapter in my life. This next chapter has been unfolding since 2013. And uh, it's primarily an exploration of this union and unity of all things, this univocity that the Franciscan school of theology said um, even back in the 1300s um, or earlier. But the way that I'm exploring this univocity and this union and unity of all things um, is a little bit different than what I would have ever guessed for sure, but I think also different than conventional counseling or conventional theology um, and certainly conventional uh, spirituality would often suggest is appropriate. So it's, I guess you could say it's a, an integral an integration of lots of different areas. And so that's just what I'm going to touch upon right now. Um, and for me, what a material that has been my muse, if you could say that, is the law of one material. Um, having gone very deep in the Hebrew and Christian scriptures and the mystical life, 
but also have always been attracted, as I mentioned earlier, to things esoteric, non-conventional. Um, when I discovered or was led to the Law of One material, it seemed to put a, a net around all of the things that I've always been attracted to and brought, in, brought it into a coherence that inspired me, um, inspired my intellect, my desire for uh, arriving at concepts that can help me understand these greater metaphysics, but also inspired me um, because I knew that I was learning something that I'd already known and already encountered through my own background, um, academic background, but more deeply the language of my own being, the language of my heart at a deep, deep level that I was now learning how to articulate uh, things that were held in the deep unconscious. And uh, the Law of One also challenged me and continues to challenge me. Um, I don't hold it as a divine or inspired text in the way that conventional Christianity, for example, would hold the Bible as inspired or divine, yeah, divinely inspired. Um, rather, I see it as a dialogue from, if you will, one aspect of this univocity of creation, which are, according to the Law of One, is a, actually is a group of beings that are uh, much older than human beings that we have on earth, but are nonetheless the same as us, since there is really only one reality. Uh, so if we're all members of this one great body, capital B, then these would be one, this group is one members, one of the members, one cell, if you will, of this one great body. And cells can talk to each other. Humans can talk to each other, and then groups can talk to each other, and groups within or outside of groups, groups that make up other groups can talk to each other. Uh, so the point is, is that within this one great body, um, dialogue and sharing happens. So this, uh, the Law of One material is transmitted, it's a channeled text um, brought in by three humans. One of them is still alive, Jim McCarty, but also on the other line um, was a group that they called themselves the RAW group, R-A, RAW. Uh, yes, it is connected to the RAW um, of the Egyptian mythos, but what we know of the Egyptian mythos was a distorted version of how the raw group sees themselves and understands themselves. First and foremost, they see themselves as, the, the I guess you could say the word raw um, was not something they called themselves, but was the title given to them when they first appeared uh, to certain people in a certain time, many thousands of years ago. And that name raw was, was an earth utterance or earth language uh, which meant to capture the energetic signature of oneness or 
again, univocity. And this energetic signature matched the group self-identification of the raw group. And so they said, well, this matches what we're trying to do. And, and um, that was in congruence with how they saw themselves. So um, one of the things that the raw group says is the original desire is that all entities seek and become one. Uh, the wanting arises across an ever-increasing complexity. And complexification is evolution, and evolution is gained by the losing. Ra mentions this later on in the um, 106 sessions. Ra mentions several of these things. And so right now, what I'm basically drawing from is an article that I published in my blog, which is Building Forth Cosmic Christ. And I'm introducing the Building Forth podcast. So this introduction, as I'm talking to you now, is just a description of what is already held and written down. You know, it is sometimes said that there are three boxes that lead to evolution. There's order, disorder, and reorder. And individually and collectively, we, we have a sense of the order. We have to have that in order to, to develop identity. But order is only good if it leads us to some level of disorder. If we stay in order, then our lives become rigid. They become hierarchical inside us. Our lives become compartmentalized. And we will demand uniformity through our religion, through our politics, through our social lives, and certainly through the way we see ourselves. But order is good, we have to have it. And we're going to be talking a lot about order, disorder, and reorder in the coming episodes. Eventually, however, all order must move into metanoia. Meta meaning change or enlarging, and noia means knowing or the mind. But it's not the mind that is full of concepts, but rather a synthesis of, you could say, the mind and the heart. The Greeks call this nous, N-O-U-S. So meta-nous, metanoia, is an enlarging the way we see and understand and perceive reality, both inside us and outside of us. So we have to go through disorder so that the experience, so we can experience the expansion and transformation of our order. And we arrive <clears throat> at reorder the box the third box but not after considerable destruction or deconstruction rather of the way we understood things so in a world whose sense making worldviews and institutions are thoroughly in disorder certainly seems that way how can we hold the depth of meaning so that we live into new spaces of inner and collective freedom 
Well, our podcast here hopes to be a small voice in the desert, or you could say disorder, which attempts to integrate, not segregate, unite diversity, not demand uniformity. It includes the pieces of disorder so that we may transcend into reconstructing, reconciling, reordering, renewing the, the ever-ancient and ever-new. In truth, the Building Forth is actually the name of our small spiritual community that, that we have uh, centered around the cosmic law, uh, known as the Law of One. And what does building forth mean? Well, first it means building forth density. And fourth density, as we will be discussing a lot of metaphysics in the future, building forth density, fourth density could be considered the fourth chakra of the body within we move and have our being. Density is a word used by the law of one material to describe a certain bandwidth of consciousness, a bandwidth of collective consciousness, but also vibratory conditions so that the beings in that particular vibratory condition can understand their spiritual journey. And there are seven densities. The first density would be uh, rocks and minerals and elements. The second density are plants and animals. And the third density is what we know of reality. It's what you see when you look outside the window. These are the, the third density being then would be humans. So we're really talking about evolution here. And our planet is going through a shift into fourth density. And the shifting is always a gradual process with, you could say them incremental leaps. But it is a gradual process over time. And we're in this shifting right now. We are in this disorder. The, the order of third density is shifting into the cocoon, the metamorphosis, the metamorphosis and the metanoia. And that is always a place, this liminal space, this individual and collective liminal space where all of the sense-making institutions begin to break down. And that needs to happen the order needs to move into disorder in order for the reordering to happen. And so we're building towards fourth density right here in third density. And we do this through learning how to see ourselves and to see other people with a complexity and holistic vision. That it, that's comprehensive, that is able to hold space for people's shadow sides as well as the places that they shine. And that is true for our own inner lives. 
fourth density living as well as third density living with an open heart does not scapegoat, does not blame, but rather works hard to reconstruct what seems to be broken and loves brokenness into its own wholeness. So the next pillar, if you will, of building forth is building the fourth energy center. And building the fourth energy center is indeed the heart. It's the green ray center. And this is something that we are in attempting to do here in third density is to learn the lessons of love. And again, love is being able to see from a complexity. Um, that witnesses with the eyes of compassion what seems to be broken and witnesses the wholeness that's surrounding it. Building the fourth energy center is also knowing how to critique the unhelpful by the practice of doing things better. So it's not just enough to deconstruct or to point fingers at what we think is causing problems, but rather it is to critique these problems by practicing better, by becoming the change we want to see. Thirdly, building the fourth way, and that's F-O-U-R-T-H, building the fourth way. The fourth way was <clears throat> uh, inaugurated, at least in the West, by a man named Verjeef. And he started a, a series of uh, mystery schools uh, that focused in on learning how to live in the immediacy of our present lives, here and now, um, that where we learn how to control the body, where we learn how to control or discipline our feelings, process them well, use them efficiently. And also we learn how to channel and process well our thoughts. And this is not done with the need to do aesthetic disciplines of the body. It's not done with the need to become a monk and separate ourselves from the world. It's not done in the need to become a guru or a yogi where uh, we live a life of renunciation. But rather, it's done in the sense of integrating all of these things. And that's the fourth way. The first way would be the life of the aesthetic. The second way is the life of the monk. The third way is the life of the yogi, as Gurdjieff says it. But the fourth way is the integration of all of these things. And then lastly, the fourth pillar of the building forth is building forth on our spiritual evolution. And that's F-O-R-T-H, building forth. In other words, 
moving towards our own spiritual evolution, building it out in forward movement. And um, we do that through the series of order, disorder, and reorder. Order, disorder, and reorder. So uh, that's what building forth uh, our, our community is about, and that's what we're hoping to do in this podcast. And we will offer it as a gift to the world. Um, and as Raw said, even if one or two people are touched by this, then that is enough. Uh, I'd like to be able to say here that we're going to be talking a lot about the perennial philosophy that undergirds most of the world's major spiritual traditions. The law of one material, uh, specifically for me at least, is a, an incredible exploration of the perennial philosophy without the overladen and cultural um, worrying and concepts of religion, although I do not throw out religion at all, I think it can be very useful, um, especially if it allows someone to develop some pathway or discipline towards accessing some depth in their spirituality. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, we're also informed here by the academic disciplines of psychology, sociology, and theology. Uh, we're going to really try to weave a healthy synthesis between the conventional and the cosmic, the exoteric and the esoteric, and the micro and the macro. So we hope that you enjoy uh, this endeavor, this building forth endeavor. Join us in your own lives in building forth the fourth density by loving, um, building forth energy center, your own heart chakra, and live in such a way as other people are invited into their fourth energy center. Also, we invite you to walk with us in building the fourth way in your life, learning how to integrate understanding your body, understanding your mind, and understanding your spirit. And lastly, we hope that this is one of, I hope, many different tools in your life that you are building forth on your own spiritual journey. So I leave you in the love and light of the one infinite creator. And I thank you, my other self, my other selves, and walking this journey with us.